There's no Tessa here today, so you're welcome. She's just being lazy, not working. <laughs> Off to a nose godness. I know, right? Just leaving us in charge. Let's try not to burn the place down. And we have Aurora Rose Reynolds this week, which I'm sure you guys are dying for more because it's paranormal, which we haven't had much paranormal. Have we had any paranormal on the Well, we did. Oh, us. <laughs> You know, just that one that we did. No big deal. <laughs> so if you want, if you're here, yeah, panel. if you're here just for this, go back and listen to Made It to the Reaper. You're welcome. <laughs> so, yeah. Got some vampires. We're actually, we're going to get a historical too pretty soon, yes. which is exciting. We haven't had that. So uh-huh. we're just bringing all kinds of shit up in here. <laughs> so yeah. I did want to mention, um, since we've been saying November is free, maybe some of you guys went ahead and grabbed it last night and read it, and you're probably addicted already. Of course. Aurora Rose Reynolds has the Boom Factory. It's a publishing company where she's let other people write in the Untel world. So authors get to hop in, like, you would see the, um, there's all these brothers, and they have parents, and you love their parents because their parents are adorable. So she let somebody else write the parent's story. So just recently released was a bunch of books in the Intel series. So you can go enjoy all of those. We even have a few Read Me Romance authors in there. Ella Fox is in there. Rochelle Page, Jenica Snow got to write in the world. And it's awesome. I love it. I think it's such a great idea, especially from an author standpoint, where you don't want to continue to write in a series that you love, even though people just keep demanding all these different characters and stuff. So I get it. And I see you. Aurora Rose, and I appreciate you opening this up to everybody. So, so yeah, I think it, it's really neat. It can be fun. We did it with Abby Knox. If you guys haven't read her, you should definitely check her stuff out. She wrote um, a book, Saved for Me. It was spun off of our Hungry for More. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a character that was introduced at the very end that was kind of a badass, and a lot of people were asking us about it, but it was the end of year. We were writing Christmas books. We were trying to get them done before December, and so we were like, we don't have time. And we just asked Abby if she would write it. And she was like, absolutely. So, yeah, it's called Save For Me. So that one's, you know, we kind of did the same thing. I just think it's a really neat idea to be able to continue the love in the Until series and keep it going with some of our favorite authors. Like Mel said, you know, our featured um, Read Me Romance authors that are on there. So that's really awesome. I'm glad they did that. So check out The Boom Factory. And don't forget to get Until November. That's free right now. So, yeah. We'll send you guys on in so you can get some more Aurora Rose, and we'll see you on the other side. Bye. Chapter 3 Exhausted from not sleeping last night and disappointed that I haven't seen Cameron this morning, I make my way through the castle to the library. Once inside, warm sunlight beats against my skin through an open window, and I scan the room before me. There are hundreds of priceless antiques in this room alone. Books, paintings, and furniture all of them needing to be assessed and documented for auction. As much as my mind is on the job before me, I cannot stop thinking about last night, about the kiss Cameron and I shared, about what I saw and felt when I was in his arms. 
Shaking off the memory, knowing it's too impossible to believe, I look around the room once more for a place to begin. A small wooden box on top of a desk in the corner catches my attention, and I make my way toward it. When I'm close, I run my fingers over the intricate engraving of flowers and leaves that were painstakingly rendered by hand. Heart suddenly pounding, I click open the hinged lock and hold my breath, lifting the lid. Folded inside neatly are dozens of silk ribbons, all different colors and sizes. I lift a deep red one and slide the soft silk through my fingers before bringing it to my nose. I'm not sure what I expect to smell, but the only scent is from the wood it's been enclosed in. Still, there's something familiar about the ribbons and the box. That's not for sale. Jumping, I spin around to face Cameron, who was standing just inside the room, his hair tied back, dressed in slacks and an emerald green dress shirt. It shouldn't have been left in here, he adds. Sorry. I turn, tucking the ribbon back into the box and closing the lid, oddly happy that some stranger won't have the opportunity to bid on it at auction. Don't apologize. He's suddenly right beside me, resting his hand over mine on the box. Why, with everything else in this room, did you seek this out? I, I don't know. I look up into his eyes. It just caught my attention. Does it seem familiar? His dark eyes search mine, and I shake my head, then nod. Yes or no, little one? Yes, kind of. I don't know. I pull my hand from under his, then rub my forehead. This is all so strange. Everything about him in this place is oddly familiar, but how could that be? Who does it belong to? I question, not expecting him to answer. My betrothed. His eyes leave mine, and he opens the lid of the box. Reaching inside with one finger, he picks up the same ribbon I held moments ago. When I was courting her, I knew she enjoyed trinkets, so I made the box for her, then over time, filled it with ribbons and such. With my throat clogged, I ask, what happened to her? She was murdered on the eve before our wedding. I cover my mouth with my fingers as tears pool in my eyes. It was a long time ago, sweets, and the men who killed her are all dead and forgotten, he tells me. Without thinking, I step toward him and wrap my arms around his waist. He's saying it was a long time ago, but he doesn't seem to be much older than I am at 23. His hand trails down my back, and then he tugs on the end of my long braid, forcing me to look at him. Do not cry for me. Okay, I agree stupidly, as more tears fall. With a shake of his head, he places his lips against mine and kisses me. The same feelings as last night rush over me and I kiss him back, soaking in everything about the moment. He begins to walk us backward, and then before I can prepare myself, I'm scooped up into his embrace. I let out a small yelp of surprise, then moan as he trails his mouth to my ear and hisses. Tell me I can have you. Tell me you want me, Isabel. Like I'm someone else. Like someone else has taken over my body. I whimper, yes. And he carries me into a room that is not my own. The bed is large enough for five people, and the furniture and art is just as dark as the owner. He lays me on the bed, and I gasp as he rips my top over my head and quickly removes my bra. When his fingers undo my jeans and pull, I don't hesitate to lift my hips. Lying naked before him, with him still clothed in a dress shirt and slacks, I feel suddenly exposed and shy. I start to cover myself, but stop when he demands, don't. 
his voice softens. Do not ever hide from me. I lower my hands and watch as he stands back to undress. Completely naked, I scan his muscular, scarred torso as he climbs onto the bed. He spreads my knees, sweeping his gaze over every inch of me. Beautiful, little one. You're beautiful. Perfect for me in every way. My mind whirls with memories as he lowers his head to capture one nipple. I expect to feel pain then pleasure, but am surprised when he releases my breast to skim his lips down my stomach. My fingers grip his hair and my head digs back into the pillows as he spreads me open and licks me, pulling my clit into his mouth. The suction, the smell of him, the feel of his hand holding me open, causes me to crumble to dust. I come on a scream, thrashing my head. When his mouth leaves me and his weight settles over my body, I wrap my arms and legs around him, holding him as close as possible. Look at me, love. I force my eyes open and look into his. It's going to be okay. With that odd statement, he thrusts inside me with a long, brutal stroke. I whimper in surprise when he breaks through my innocence, then dig my fingers into his back as he stills. Mine, only mine, he snarls. Yes, but don't stop. I lift my head and he lowers his mouth to mine. The kiss is just as claiming as his hips thrusting into mine. I've never thought of being owned, but with every kiss, every stroke, I know. I know that something bigger than me brought me to him, and I'm meant to be his. I ride out the waves of ecstasy and come on a cry when Cameron thrusts one last time deep inside me. As his heavy weight rests against my chest and his heartbeat pounds against mine, I wonder what this all means. Wonder how it's possible to feel the things I feel for a man I don't even know. Chapter 4 Fingers trailing lightly down the side of my face wake me from a dreamless sleep. I slowly blink my eyes open and smile softly when I see Cameron with his elbow in the bed and his head in his hand, his eyes on me. How is it possible that you're just as beautiful sleeping as you are awake? He asks, and I touch my blonde hair, sure it's a mess, and find my braid undone and my hair down around my shoulders. I released your braid while you slipped. Your hair is long. He runs his fingers through it, then looks at me. It looks like golden silk, almost the same shade as your eyes. I've never seen eyes as beautiful as yours before. My hair is golden blonde, the same with my eyes, a trait neither one of my parents have. Both have almost black hair, similar to his. Almost like the woman I saw in my mind last night when we kissed. His fingers trail the side of my face to the tops of my breasts, and my cheeks get warm. I should get up. I need to work, I say, not actually wanting to get up at all. Really? I wouldn't mind staying right here for the rest of my life. If you think I'd let you out of this bed today, tonight, or tomorrow, you'd be wrong. His hand captures my hip as he starts to lower his mouth to mine. A sharp knock sounds on the door, and I jump as he curses something I can't make out. He looks at me, touching my cheek with the tips of his fingers. It's just Angus. Give me a moment and do not move. I have plans for you. He kisses me swiftly before pulling the blanket up high around my neck. I smile to myself as he gets up and watch him pull on a pair of sleep pants. When he opens the door, I frown as he and Angus seem to argue in the same language they used days ago. I sit up in bed, trying with all my might to decipher what is being said. Cameron closes the door 
and turns to face me with a grim look on his face, making me brace. What is it? He doesn't answer my question. Instead, he comes toward me and places his hand in the bed near my hip. I must go. What? I have to leave. I'll be back tonight. I'm sorry, love. I melt toward him on the word love and whisper, all right. When I'm away, stay inside and work as normal. I'll be back this evening. Is everything okay? I search his face, trying to figure out what happened. It's just work. Everything is fine. I'll see you tonight. He kisses me quickly, seeming distracted, and then leaves me in bed. After he's dressed, not even a moment later, he kisses me once more and leaves the room. I get up and dressed, then go back to work, wondering what's going on. When a loud knock sounds not for the first time on the front door, I pull myself from the library and head down the hall. As I reach the wooden door, I drag open its heavy weight. Standing outside on the stone steps is a handsome blonde man wearing a suit. Where's Cameron? He eyes me with curiosity, then his nostrils flare. When his eyes flash and his jaw tightens, a sense of foreboding slides down my spine. He's out, but we'll be back this evening. I shut the door slightly, blocking him from entering. Can I help you? Give this to him. It's a message from the king. He thrusts a piece of rolled parchment toward me, and I blink as he turns around and heads for an idling Benz, pulling out a cell phone and putting it to his ear. The king? The king of what? I look at the rolled paper with a wax seal in my hand, then quickly shut the door. I pace in the entryway, my mind running over everything that has happened. I must pace for longer than I think, because the door soon opens and Cameron walks in. When our eyes lock, I first see relief, then I see fear in his gaze. What happened? He comes toward me. I hold out the rolled paper with a red wax seal. This is from the king. The words seem ridiculous as I say them. You spoke to someone while I was away. His words vibrate with fury, and I take a step back. God's damn it. What happened? Angus asks, stepping inside. The king, is all Cameron says. And Angus pales, glancing at me. What's going on? My voice whispers into the quiet that settled over us. Without a doubt, the king knows by now that I'm sleeping with a human. Cameron hisses, and I stumble back a step on the word human. His eyes bore into mine. Don't look so surprised, little one. You know what I am. Somewhere deep within you, you know exactly what I am and who you are to me. No, I deny, shaking my head and walking backward, my vision growing dim. Yes, little one. No, I repeat, and the darkness grows until everything goes black. Chapter 5 I slowly come awake and lie still with my eyes closed. I can hear the sound of voices speaking quietly and urgently, and I know even without understanding the language that Cameron and Angus are somewhere in the house, talking about me. This moment isn't like ones I've read about, when someone wakes up not remembering what took place before they passed out. I remember everything, every detail, including Cameron stating I know exactly what he is. And I do know, somehow I know, that he's not human, but a vampire. Having read hundreds of books and watched thousands of movies on the subject, I try to understand how it's possible that Cameron came to me in the light of day without disappearing into ash, or how he was able to make love to me without taking my blood. 
Fear creeps down my spine on that thought, and I carefully sit up in bed. I need to get away. I need to pull back from Cameron before he does what he threatened to do that first time we met. Take from me until nothing is left. Seeing I'm in my room, I move to my purse still sitting on the chaise where I left it my first night, and I quietly dig through it until I find my car keys, credit card, and passport. Once they're in my grasp, I look at the door. There is no way I'll be able to leave without being caught if I go that way. I close my eyes as a sudden pain hits my chest and radiates through my heart. If I leave, I'm leaving Cameron, leaving the man who made love to me and touched me like I'd always been his. Vampire. That word screams inside my skull, reminding me of what I could lose if I stay. I open my eyes and look at the window behind me, then shove my card and passport into the back pocket of my jeans, keeping my key in my hand. Even on the second floor of the castle, I know the drop from the window isn't life-ending. I also know my car is still parked outside. If I can make it, I'll be free. I carefully go to the window, push it open, and pause, waiting to hear if anyone's coming. Not hearing a sound except the blood rushing through my veins, I stick my head out and look down feeling dizzy by the distance. Do it, just do it, I tell myself, right before I leap from the window. The ground rushes up at me, and I land with a jarring thud that makes me see stars. Ignoring the pain radiating through my body, I push myself up off the ground and run. I run as fast as I can, until I reach my car, then fumble with my keys before I hit the unlock button. Wrenching open the door, I get in, slam the door shut, and lock it. I hit the button to start the engine, and don't look as I put the car in drive and speed away. My head and heart ache as I drive, both telling me to turn around. But I refuse to listen, and don't stop until I park in the lot of a hotel near the airport. Exhausted from crying and lack of sleep, I go to the front desk and rent a room. Then I go to the computer in the lobby and buy a plane ticket back home. A noise wakes me from sleep, and I sit up in bed with my heart pounding. Daylight shines through the gaps in the curtains, and I search the room with its help. I spot Cameron, lounging in the chair across the room, and I study his body language along with the look in his eyes as he stares back at me. What are you doing here? I think you know the answer to that question. He sits forward, resting his elbows on his knees. To kill me? The question is whispered, and I watch him laugh. I don't know what you could possibly think is funny right now. I tug the blanket I'm holding higher around me. His expression gentles. I'd never harm you, love, never. I'd rather end my own life than hurt you. The words ring with truth and I relax slightly. Then why are you here? You're mine. The statement is final and claiming. You've always been mine. I, I don't even know you. I lie, I do know him. I know everything about him or the him he used to be. You know me, my sweet Isabel. You know you're mine. Know just like I do that our souls are intertwined and have been for hundreds of years. It's not possible. The lie is thick on my tongue. It's completely impossible and insane. As insane as it might be, you know it's the truth. I close my eyes, wanting to block him out, to escape what he's saying, but I know... I know that somehow I'm the woman he was going to marry hundreds of years ago. I know we are meant to be. I open my eyes and look at him. He looks normal, even with his outrageous beauty, 
even with the air of darkness that surrounds his presence, are, I pause, trying to get my thoughts in order. Are you really a vampire? Yes. He stands, and I clutch the blanket to my throat like it might protect me as I search his mouth for fangs. He smiles. I will not take from you until you say you want me to. And believe me, there will come a time you beg me to take from you. I ignore that statement, even though it makes my nipples and a few other places tingle and ask, how are you not asleep right now? What? He questions. Well, he comes closer to where I'm sitting. The sun is out. I glance at the light coming in from the edge of the curtain. Shouldn't you be asleep right now? He snorts, a sound I'm surprised to hear from him. I won't turn to dust and daylight, if that's what you're asking. Actually, most of the things you've heard are probably untrue. I'm just like you, except I need blood to survive. Human blood, I grimace. Yes, human blood. He nods. There is a group of humans who knows of my kind, and they... He looks away briefly. They make themselves available when it's time to feed. Nausea and jealousy at the idea of him feeding off a woman fills my stomach. Somehow reading my thoughts, he states, it's not sexual, not for me. For others of my kind, it can be, but... Not for you. I finish his sentence, cutting him off, rolling my eyes. Part of me doesn't believe him, but somewhere inside me, I understand he's fed to survive, fed off willing humans because he's had to. He drags his fingers through his hair. The act of taking has never been sexual for me. I've never even thought of where it could lead. Until you. Hi, and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Tuesday, which means release day. And there is a couple of new books out today. Of course, Susan Stoker has a book out. She always has one. Of course. It is Rescuing Marcy. It is a shorter one. So if you're looking for something just for before bed tonight, there you go. And then... Kennedy Fox has been teasing Baby Mine forever now, and it's finally here. So you guys can get both of those in the show notes description if you've been waiting for them. Awesome. And I think that's it. That's so great. And do we have a book out? Do we want to talk about ourselves real quick? I don't know. Uh, I feel like if we didn't have one out, we had we just had one out. I know his hostage is next week. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> I can see into the future on that one. <laughs> now, I think we released a book on Friday of last week. We released Muse, which we wrote with Fiona Davenport. Sorry. Yeah, I, I know. I was going to say Rochelle Page. You, can, you can't remember her name. And I'm like, fuck, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> which actually, I want to mention, actually, now that you said that, I'm so glad you said that because they wrote, if you read Muse over the weekend, there is the uh, the hero has a brother who is an actor. They wrote his story, and he is like a guy that's been waiting for his one. Mm -hmm. And he refuses to do ram romance roles as an actor, so only do comedic relief because he doesn't want his wife to see him on film with other women. Mm -hmm. Like, he's like a true, like, I don't know, like, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And his book is out yesterday. It's <laughs> yeah, called it Scarlet. Okay. It's called what? Scarlet. Okay. Or maybe it's Starlet. So the, who did we write with? Hold on. <laughs> Fiona, Fiona Davenport. Davenport. God damn it. Sorry, I always Fiona, have the hardest. Fiona Davenport is two authors. It's an author duo Alexa. just like Alexa Riley. So there's four bitches up in this shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, God. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. So, the Get Muse, that's live if you haven't already. And then we got some more stuff coming ahead. Just to talk about us for a second. Aurora doesn't get all the spotlight, okay? She knows better <laughs> than that. <laughs> uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Happy Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Bye. I'm going to go have one right now. You damn right. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance.